Welcome to the Confluence Investment Management Bi-Weekly Asset Allocation Report for February 20th, 2024. I'm Phil Adler. The rising federal budget deficit begs a key question with major implications for investors. How painful will it be for the government to finance all that debt? Or, as Confluence Investment Management Associate Market Strategist Thomas Wash discusses in this week's report, will there be enough buyers of all those new U.S. treasuries to prevent an ugly turn for the markets? Thomas joins us today to discuss how fixed income investors might navigate this changing environment. Thomas, first, give us an idea of how quickly the federal deficit is increasing. While the federal deficit may shrink from $17 trillion to $1.5 trillion in 2024, it's projected to balloon to $2.6 trillion by 2034. This marks a significant increase compared to the pre-pandemic level of slightly above $1 trillion and the $500 billion deficit a decade ago. Well, it makes sense that a rising deficit would necessitate an increasing supply of treasuries. That increasing supply would logically drive existing bond values down and new bond yields up. Now, how does the Fitch ratings downgrade of the U.S. credit rating back in August factor in? Fitch Ratings became the second agency to downgrade the U.S. credit rating in 12 years, following Standard & Poor's action in 2011. This raised concerns that investors may not be adequately compensated for the risks associated with holding U.S. government bonds. Normally, enough buyers would be attracted by higher yields to purchase those new treasuries coming to market. You raised the question, though, that the entities that would normally purchase these bonds might be less likely to commit. One of the big buyers of government bonds is the Federal Reserve, but the Fed has decided to step back and follow a policy of repurchasing fewer maturing Treasury holdings. Why has the Fed decided to absorb less new supply? The Federal Reserve is embarking on a path of policy normalization by unwinding its pandemic-era support. The central bank's balance sheet ballooned from $4 trillion to nearly $9 trillion, raising concerns about potential market distortions and inflationary pressures stemming from increased asset purchases and lower interest rates. Other traditional buyers of U.S. bonds include central banks around the world, including China and Japan. Have they become less interested in buying U.S. treasuries? A stronger dollar and declining bond prices have made holding U.S. treasuries less attractive for central banks seeking to repay dollar-denominated debts and prevent currency depreciation. While foreign holdings of U.S. debt has declined slightly overall, Japan and China remain the top two creditors. That said, China has reduced its holdings significantly, with the United Kingdom stepping in partially to fill the void by buying up more U.S. government bonds. What about other traditional buyers like pension funds, insurance companies, broker-dealers? Is their appetite for U.S. treasuries changing? Pensions and insurance companies, being highly sensitive to interest rates, have capitalized on recent rate hikes by accumulating risk-free assets. This bolsters their cash flow, aiding them in meeting long-term obligations. In the absence of the Federal Reserve, broker-dealers, who rely on treasuries for short-term lending market liquidity, have stepped in as buyers of last resort. However, an increase in treasury supply, coupled with a policy rate cut, could trigger investor resistance, leading them to demand a higher risk premium for absorbing additional debt. 
And Thomas, what part do individual households play in this equation? Are they a major buyer of U.S. treasuries or aren't they tempted to look elsewhere for yield? Well, households have stepped up, becoming major buyers of bonds, filling the void left by the Federal Reserve's exit from the market. However, this influx of retail investors is sensitive to yields. If interest rates were to fall, these individuals may seek alternative assets offering more attractive returns. Do you think the Fed may have to reverse its decision on reducing its balance sheet? Policymakers have hinted at potential tweaks to quantitative tightening, but the precise timing remains shrouded in uncertainty. While Chair Powell confirmed an open discussion during the March meeting, he offered no concrete timeline. The decision will likely hinge on the interplay between economic health and progress made towards the Fed's 2% inflation target. Thomas, weaker bond sales have all sorts of implications for the economy. What's the worst case scenario? A major concern lies in the potential rise of long-term interest rates. This could trigger a ripple effect, pushing up borrowing costs across various sectors of the economy, which could weigh on growth. Well, the Fed is suggesting that interest rate cuts are coming. We're, we're all expecting them later this year. How might this impact demand and yields? Well, a well-telegraphed interest rate cut could spur increased demand for bonds as investors seek to lock in higher rates before they fall. This would likely cause bond prices to rise, particularly for shorter-term maturities. But it could also provide some support for longer-dated government securities. Well, there's a, there's a lot to think about here, even to worry about. How should the fixed-income investor play this? Well, given the significant uncertainty about interest rates... With policymakers signaling no rate cuts this quarter, we favor short and intermediate term bonds over longer ones due to the lower price risk and shorter maturities if rates remain on hold longer than the market is expecting. Thank you, Thomas. Our discussion today is based upon sources and data believed to be accurate and reliable. Opinions and forward-looking statements expressed are subject to change without notice. This information does not constitute a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any security. Our audio engineer is Dane Stoll. I'm Phil Adler.